I had a quick trip up to Dallas and back this Thursday, and when they said, please turn your phones on airplane mode, I couldn't help but think about, yeah, that's what we're doing at church. I was thinking about um, the past this week and went and looked at an old, old calendar, and I realized that 23 years, 23 years ago, on this very day, January 28, 2001, a small, committed group of people gathered across town on Yopon Street for the first official launch meeting, like Joseph was talking about next week for Story Church. We had the first official launch meeting for Brazos Point, what would become 10 weeks later, Brazos Point Fellowship, 23 years ago today. It's crazy. We dreamed of a church for the unchurched, a church that would share the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ and his love for us with seekers and skeptics. We just, we pray that God would help us welcome people whom the Spirit was moving to take their next steps with God with us. We were guided by two powerful commands of Jesus. The first was the great commandment. When someone asked Jesus, what's, what's the greatest commandment we follow? He says this, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. And then he went up to me, he said, the second, this is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. We knew that before we built a church that would come day be known as Brazos Point, that would meet in elementary, uh, junior high school for years, we knew that before we did anything for God, we needed to focus our mind's attention and all of our heart's affection on Jesus Christ. We needed to love him with all our heart and all our soul and all our mind because anything else we did, if that didn't come first, wouldn't matter. And we also realized that to really show a love for God, the most tangible way we could do that was to love other people. Just love them. It doesn't matter who they are, what they've done, what they're doing, we just love people and love people towards Jesus. That was the first and greatest commandment. And the second, just like it, love your neighbor as yourself. The second commandment that we looked at that we knew we had to focus on was the great commission Jesus gave just right before his last words on earth before he ascended into heaven after his resurrection. Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, not just Southern Missouri County, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. And he has been with us always. Thinking back to that day, months of prayer and fasting led us to that day. As the, at the first launch team meeting on January 28, 2001, at that meeting, we, con we committed to continue the exercise of prayer as we look to God for guidance. And now on January 28th, 2024, 23 years later, we're asking you to go on airplane mode and commit again to pray for God's guidance as we continue to move forward and continue to love people towards Jesus. In a moment, I'm gonna lay out, going to lay out some very bold prayers for a new day, but a little more reflection first. <clears throat> as I look back on those early days, the, the days that are like present day for Story Church, as I look back on those early days, it humbles and amazes me that so many godly men, women, and teenagers, we had, a, we had a core of teenagers that were all in just as much as any adult, that they trusted me and Kathy enough 
to take their next steps with God with us. And that dream, along with so many other dreams that we couldn't even imagine then, has come true. We are a church for the unchurched. We're a place where folks who want to discover faith in Jesus or just want to know what this is about in a place that's safe, they can come here. We're a place where those of you who are developing your faith in Jesus and realizing that other other people need to know him too can be comfortable inviting them to come here and know that they will be welcomed and accepted and loved. To come as they are, that we'll challenge them not to stay the same, but to become more like Jesus. You know, there's another couple here this morning, most of you know, who have a similar dream and passion as Kathy and I did for those who are far from God and have a passion to share the good news of Jesus with them. Their hearts beat with the same passion as mine and Kathy's, and they are so ready to lead a new generation of seekers and skeptics on a journey of next steps with God. You probably think I'm talking about Joseph and Emily. That's, that's what they're doing. But no, that's not the couple I'm talking about right now. I'm talking about Randy and Ashley Dane. I think it's pretty cool that on the same date, January 28th, 23 years later, January 28th, 2024, 23 years later that I asked a group of people to commit to come alongside us to reach Southern Missouri County with the gospel, that today I'm asking you to give that same devotion and trust to a new leader for a new generation. I'm not retiring. I'm not moving. But in May, I will step aside as lead pastor of Brad's Point Fellowship and take on a different role. I'll tell you about in a minute. And I'm recommending Randy Dane to you, our executive pastor of ministries, to become your next lead pastor. Kathy, I got through that without choking up this time. Yeah. As you let that sit in, I'm going to tell you about mine and Kathy's journey to this decision and what's next for us here at Brazos Point Fellowship. First, the journey that led to our decision. In 2015, nine years ago, I got a book. It was called Next, Pastoral Succession That Works. And it reminded me that every pastor of every church is an interim pastor, just a temporary pastor. Unless Jesus comes before that time is up, I'll just be a pastor and someone else will take my place someday in it. It reminded me that the church I lead is God's, not mine. And if I want the handoff to the next pastor to go well, then I need to begin preparing for that years ahead of time. So I did. I began seeing myself and everyone else on our staff, all the other pastors, all the other ministers as interim pastors and interim ministers. And I began encouraging all of them to start reproducing themselves. I challenged them, we need to start having more interns and everybody needs an intern for something. We need to start developing that pool of that people. It, it became eventually apparent that, um, that my successor would, be, would likely be Randy. I talked talk to him about that. And I remember the day we said that, and he humbly acknowledged, yeah, he, he felt the same way. And Kirk Wilson, our executive pastor of operations, affirmed that. So I look for ways to give him more opportunities to lead. And folks, not only did he succeed in leading, he began replacing himself as well. And he took on new initiatives, and he excelled at everything we ever asked him to do. At some point, 
about three years ago, I, um, I began, I, I told Randy, I said, Randy, each year now, for the foreseeable future, I want to start reducing the number of Sundays I preach and start increasing the number of Sundays you preach, you preach so that when we get to that point, it'll be a very smooth transition. And you probably have noticed that because last year, Randy and I preached the exact same number of Sundays. And of course, that will continue on. I'm going to continue preaching here, but, but not as much. Randy will take the lead much more often in that. There's a lot more details that, that we'll share with you in the coming weeks. But this is what I want you to know most right now is that this is a decision that Kathy and I believe God has led us to at this point and at this time. And we feel a great peace about that. <clears throat> as we work, our, as we think, look forward, as we work our way through the, the book of Acts, you know, we started a, a study, a book study of Acts at the end of last year. And we're going to continue on with that study. As we work our way through that, when we get to chapter 13, you're going to see a character, he's already on the scene, a character named Barnabas. Barnabas, who led, he's a, he was a pastor, and he led another pastor named Paul on the first ever missionary journey. And then somewhere along that journey, early on in that journey in chapter 13, after reading Barnabas and Paul, Barnabas and Paul, Barnabas and Paul, it switches. And it begins saying, Paul and Barnabas, Paul and Barnabas. And you see that, that Barnabas took a step back, began encouraging Paul and recognized it was time for Paul's leadership on that missionary journey. That's a picture of what is happening here. I believe it's time for me to step back and be Randy's Barnabas as he leads this church and as he leads me. Now, let me just say, this is not automatic because I say so. I can't anoint him king of Brazos Point, you know. I'm not king either. And there's a process for this and, and we'll, we'll give you a lot of the details of that process, but, but if you're a member of our church, you're gonna have an opportunity to vote for Randy uh, in a few weeks. We'll be passing out the yard signs, vote Randy after the service. Just kidding. <laughs> Just kidding. It's not that kind of election, okay? But um, anyway, um, he, I lost my place with it. That was not in my notes, you know. <laughs> the, the, process, the process that we're gonna have uh, there's going to be a Q&A that, that's going to come online after this service today on our, uh, on our website where it's going to have a Q&A and a video from me and Randy and answer a lot of questions you have. We'll, we'll have we'll, there'll be several things that we'll do just kind of make sure you understand fully what's going on and, and have your questions answered and all. And so that's going to happen. But once the transition is complete, I will focus. Uh, I'll, fo I'll take a sabbatical this summer and be gone for the summer. And then when I come back, I will focus on mobilization what I call mobilization, both inside and outside this church. And by mobilization, that's kind of a, 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 a name that pastors know about, but it's not used a lot in, in other places. But what it means is, what I mean by mobilization is that I will be personally encouraging many of you to move into your highest and best action, serving the kingdom of God, using your time, your talents, your treasures, your resources, your giftedness to serve God and others with your absolute best this includes anything and everything from mobilizing folks to cross that foyer and serve in our next-gen ministry, where as I talked to a next-gen leader yesterday who said, I learned more about Jesus doing that than anywhere else, teaching fifth and sixth graders. It may be encouraging you to go on a mission trip for the first time, something that you promise you're never gonna do. And you told people, I'm not doing that. Well, go get your passport Go to the post office, get your passport application, get the passport, and then, then we'll talk. And I plan to help mobilize you 
into missions. If you're, all you're doing is sitting in this brown chair and you don't do anything else, and then maybe that's because you're not sure what you can do because you don't see yourself as a next-gen leader. You don't see yourself as a small group leader. You know, you're certainly not a pastor. So what are you going to do? I want to help you find that place because there are so many different ways to serve God and his kingdom, both inside and outside the walls here. And I don't want to be able to sit down with you personally and help you find that place of service. And if you're just sitting and soaking because you know better, but you don't want to do anything else because, yeah, I did that for a while, I'm coming after you, and I have time. <laughs> and I have a certain set of skills. No, no. <clears throat> that phrase never gets old to me. Anyway, I know I've worn it out. Um, I'll also be encouraging those of you who are future pastors, future ministers, future church planners, and missionaries to answer God's call to vocational ministry, whether that's full-time vocational ministry or maybe you're going to do it part-time and have a job outside of this and serve part-time in, in a ministry vocation role. Here's the first step, okay? And I want to include all of you in, in helping us with this next step and encouraging those people. I'd like for all of you to take out an information card from the seat back in front of you, okay? Take out a card from the seat, everybody. Take out a card from the seat back in front of you, grab a pen, okay? It's really simple. This is not a rhetorical question or exercise. It is a, you know, hands-on. All right, so take out, here's what I want you to do. I want you to think for a moment <clears throat> of who you know of in this church body, that you think that may be a future pastor or a future minister, there's all kinds of different ministers, a worship leader or a church administrator, a Christian counselor, a church planner, or even a missionary. And what you to do is I want you to write that person's name on a card, on that card, and what you think God may be calling them to do. Somebody laughed out real nervously in the first service, and I said, that's probably somebody that's gonna get their name written down. You know, you, that's a nervous laugh. God's calling you, we know. Anyway, I want you to write that down. Seriously, I think this is one way that, that we could kind of see who God is leading because that's how, that's how I came to know that my next step was going to be to be a lead pastor. I never aspired to be a lead pastor until about a year before this took place. I always wanted to be the, in the second chair. But I had four different people over a period of time say, Greg, have you ever thought about leading a church yourself? And I said, well, I'd like to help start one, but no, 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 I don't want, I don't want to be a pastor <laughs> And um, the first two people that asked me that, I said, no, no. The third one, I thought, hmm. And the fourth one, I thought, God, are you calling me? So I want you to write their name or names and what you think God may be calling them to do. And then place it in the offering basket when it comes by at the end of the service, okay? And if you think of their name next week, do that next week. Well, I'll get it. And I'm going to pray for them. I'm going to begin praying for them and watching their life and see what God is doing in their life. Now, if there's some of you, and I know there are because I've talked to some of you, you're already feeling God's call to, to full-time vocational ministry. If you're already sensing that call, then I'd like for you to see me after the service. Um, I'm, I'm going to start a study here in a few weeks, take you through about a 10-week study to help you clarify that call and, and discern what your next steps are in preparing for that ministry. And this includes high school students as well, as well as adults of any age. In the work that I do with the International Mission Board of Vetting Missionaries, it's amazing how many folks in their 50s and sometimes 60s who feel a call to missions and at this point in life are going overseas to carry the gospel where it's never been heard. So come see me. Now back to mobilization. That's how I'll be doing mobilization here, helping with those things here. But on the outside of the church, I want to help mobilize other churches to participate in church planting to participate in international missions and support international missionaries. 
And I'll be doing that through the, the work and the connections I already have with the North American Mission Board, the International Mission Board, and then also the Houston Church Planning Network, which is, which is helping and, and, and has been preparing Joseph and Emily for their next step in building Story Church. I want to work with those organizations and any others that I can to encourage other churches and other pastors to help take the gospel to all nations. I'll continue to, to serve on the church's leadership team. I'll lead any projects that Randy assigns me, and I'm going to try out for the praise team. Just, <laughs> just kidding, not kidding. Anyway, <clears throat> uh, so um, Randy, David and Andrew just got really nervous. Um, so what do I want the focus of my last few months here as lead pastor? I'll still be here, but if my last few months as lead pastor in Randy's first year as lead pastor, what do I want that focus to be on? The same focus that we had that God launched this church through, prayer. It is time, Brad's point, for us together to pray some very bold prayers. Let me tell you what I mean by that and how that, how that can play out, okay? There's a small church in a small town in the beautiful piney woods of East Texas. Church is First Baptist Spurger. The pastor is a young man, very impressive. His name is Cole Clark. And for reference sake, if, if you're trying to figure out where Spurger is in East Texas, Spurger is, is due west from Kirbyville and just north of Fred. So does that help? <laughs> Great place. I don't know, some people said, man, I don't know where Spurger is. Anyway, the, the church has produced two of our committed volunteers here, Clint and Rachel Jones. Are y'all here today, Clint, Rachel? Oh, they're, maybe they're in Spurger today, visiting family. Anyway, if you see them, tell them I called them out. All right. So in August of 2022, I have a connection with, with Cole through the North American Mission Board, and, and I was calling Cole, and I asked how I could pray for him. He quickly replied that his church was not as unified as they really needed to be. They, um, they, they, they were not growing, and their finances were, were really tight and going in the wrong direction. And um, he just said, man, he, he called on the church to pray more boldly for unity finances, and new people. So I spoke to him a few, just a few months ago and I asked him how those bold prayers were going a year later. And uh, he said, man, we're more unified than ever. He said, our giving is great. We did not have to make some of those big cuts that we thought we were gonna have to make. And it's just, a, I think, a two-staff church and then we're gonna have to cut the other staff guy out. And he goes, man, our, our, our giving is in surplus. And the best part about it is we've reached a lot of new people. We're growing. And he goes, and some of those new people are people that did not know Jesus, and they've come to faith in Jesus, and now pray as we disciple them. I don't know if you know, but Spurger is not a real growing metropolis, okay? It's, a, it's actually a pretty small town, you know? It's not growing any faster than Fred or Kirbyville are either, I don't think. Anyway, but they're growing. They're growing in Lily's Texas town. We're not in the same spot as that church in those areas. I feel a strong sense of unity here at Brazos Point. And our attendance is growing. It's growing in worship. It's growing in next-gen ministries. It's growing in small groups. But our finances are flat. And we need to become more intentional about prayer. Not just prayer about finances, but prayer about everything like they did. I want to show you how I want to challenge you to pray. Open your Bible if you have it to Matthew chapter 17, verse 19. If you don't have a Bible, we're going to put the words on the screen. And we'd also love to give you a Bible. You can, you can pick one up in the foyer on your way out. But just if you're flipping to the, to the book of Matthew, it's in the New Testament of the Bible. So it's three-fourths of the way through. 
love to hear those pages flipping. About three-fourths of the way through, it's the first book of the New Testament, the first of the four Gospels, the stories of Jesus, Jesus Christ's life, death, and resurrection. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Go to Matthew chapter 17. We're going to start in verse 19. Let me give you a little background first as you're looking that up. Jesus had just taken three of his closest disciples, Peter, James, and John, up on a mountaintop where they experienced this really cool event called the transfiguration, something that was so cool they couldn't talk about it until after Jesus' death and resurrection and ascension back into heaven. They didn't tell anyone until after that. Well, while they were away up on a mountain, the, the four of them, the other nine disciples were down, down at the foot of the mountain. I'm sure there was in, in a community somewhere. And they were unable to help a man who came to them whose son was possessed and tormented by a demon. Well, after the transfiguration and Jesus, Peter, James, and John came down from the mountain, they saw the commotion that was going on that the disciples couldn't help. Jesus quickly rebuked the demon. He departed and healed the boy. And then here's the conversation that followed with those other nine disciples after this miracle. Verse, seven, verse 19. Then the disciples came to Jesus in private and asked, why couldn't we drive it out? He replied, because you have so little faith. Truly, I tell you, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, so their faith must have been smaller than that maybe, you can say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move. Nothing will be impossible for you. And some of you are going, yeah, that's the thing about the Bible. That's nuts. Well, let me, let me help you understand and be clear about what Jesus was saying here. He did not make this promise so we could play checkers with mountains. I tried that when I was a teenager and saw the first mountains in Arkansas. <gasps> Nothing happened. <clears throat> that, was, that wasn't the point. Jesus was a brilliant teacher. And he used all kinds of methods to teach in significant ways. He used contrast. He told stories. And he also used hyperbole. You remember that from your English class? Hyperbole. Exaggerating something to make a point. I think that's the definition. It's close. He was teaching them and us to live bold, and to pray bold. And, and, and think about the contrast he gave. He wasn't really talking about a, an amount of faith because he said, this didn't happen because you have so little faith. But then he said, you just need a little faith. No, no bigger than a mustard seed. That was the smallest known seed to men and women then at that time in history. He said, you only need a little bit. What he meant by mustard seed faith is that it's all about where you place your faith, not how much faith you have. It doesn't take a lot of faith. It just takes a laser focus on the right spot. Where's your faith? Is your faith in yourself, in your good works? You're trying to clean yourself up for God and make yourself good enough to be pleased by him? You'll never accomplish that. You don't have to, for one thing. He loves you anyway. Are you putting your faith in others? Is your Christian faith just, are you just like, like in a bicycle race where cyclists draft off the one in front of them? Are you just drafting on someone else? Is your faith dependent on some other person? That won't last. Or is your faith focused on Jesus Christ? That's what he was trying to tell his disciples. If your faith is focused on me, you can move mountains. We can move mountains. Well, why did God answer the prayers of that little church in Spurger? It's because they asked. They just asked. Do you remember three weeks ago when we introduced this um, Airplane Mode series, I recommend the book Just Ask by J.D. Greer. 
Listen, I still recommend it. It's very biblically based. It tells stories from the Bible, helping us to understand how every one of us can pray boldly. Uh, you, can, you can find a link to it on the seat back in front of you. Just use your phone, seat back in front of you. And a person in our church wrote me a little note and told me that, to let you guys know that you can get it free through the Brazoria County Library System via their audio books. So you don't even have to buy it. You just go get it. The Christ followers in Spurger, they just asked God to come through. They knew that with God's help, with God's help, they could do anything. And without God's help, they could never be the church that God wanted them to be, much less the church that they wanted to be. So they just asked. For a year, they asked. And God blew their minds as he came through. So here's my prayer challenge for 2024. I'm going to ask for more than three things. I'm going to ask for about six. I'm not going to give, give a whole lot of explanation because we're going to be focusing on these this year. But start out with this. I want you to pray for a culture of high commitment. Let's pray together for a culture of high commitment with Brazos Point, for more people to commit to volunteer ministry. Folks, I told you, we're growing. We're growing. We have more and more kids every week. And yet after the pandemic, a lot of people came back, but they didn't come back in their volunteer roles. They said, nah, you know, I realized I was doing too much. And I think they decided to do other things and not put the kingdom of God first. We need a high level commitment. We need more people to commit to volunteer ministry so we can love those kids towards Jesus. Pray for more consistency in serving, that when, that, that when we commit here, that we follow through on that commitment week after week after week and not just when it's convenient. And let's pray for attenders to become members, to commit to become members. Today is the last day to sign up for the next Brad, Discovering Brad's Point class next week, which is the pathway to membership here. You can use that QR code on the seat back in front of you. Just put your phone up there and tap it. And uh, you can go to the sign up there to do that. And I won't be offended if you start doing that and, you know, while I'm talking because you're going to hear these prayer requests again and again this year or if you're still trying to order the book and can't quite figure out how to do that. Anyway, um, in April, let me give you a couple of reasons why. If you've just been sitting here and you consider yourself a member, but you're really not because you've never been to the class, never committed, two reasons. One is um, the church will vote on Randy becoming the new lead pastor. You can't vote if you're not a member. But here's another even better reason. In April, we're going to be introducing, we, we've been, for the past year, this is another reason why I feel like, like it is time uh, to pass the torch. For the past year, we've been, really more than the past year, we've been revisiting our church's core values and our mission and vision and strategy. And so we're going to be introducing our church's core values through a message series in April. And then in September, we'll roll out a new improved mission and vision statement. And all. It's going to be pretty much the same thing, but much more intentional and directional. And so we're not going to be introducing those two, th two concepts till April and September, but if you come to Discovering Brad's Point, you'll hear it next week. We thought, we'll just go ahead and teach the new part, and you'll just be ahead of everyone, so come for that. Number next, after praying for a high culture of commitment, I want to encourage you to pray for a, a culture of strong community. We need community. We need to be in something where somebody knows our name. Somebody knows who we are and what we're going through and, and can be there with us through the good times and the bad times. Somebody to celebrate and have joy with and somebody to, to kind of give us a hug when times are rough. And we know that there are ways to have Christian community, both inside and outside this church, other than small groups. But if you're not experiencing community, I don't believe there's a better or greater opportunity for community while also helping you to grow spiritually 
as you study the Bible with other people than in a small group. So here's, here are the bold prayers for strong community. Pray that 60% of our attendance would participate in a BPF small group by the fall quarter, by next September. I don't know what our percentage is right now, but it's a lot less than 60%. Most of us, and even most of the members who committed to be in a small group are not in a small group right now. So I want to encourage you to join a small group. Pray that small groups will begin to feel like family. Man, that's such a great feeling when you just feel that, that closeness with them. I mean, people that you can even disagree with strongly and still love and care and come back to and be with. And then pray that we would have a new small groups pastor by this summer. Ever since Joseph said, God is telling me now is the time, and he was our small groups pastor, we've been looking, we've been talking to people and praying. We just haven't found that person yet. Pray that we find that person, that God would, would impress upon them that their next step is to come join us and lead our small groups ministry and help you guys get in small groups. So we want to pray for that, that we would have that new small groups pastor by this summer. Number next, pray for a culture of gospel passion. This is who we are. We want to make it really hard to go to hell through Missouri County. You'll get that later. <clears throat> How do we do that? How do we develop this, this culture of gospel passion? Starts by, let's pray that we all develop meaningful relationships with our neighbors. That's where it begins. Most people who come to faith in Jesus Christ come to faith because of a, a friend who loved them or somebody that didn't even know them that well but cared about them and they cared about the eternal destiny to maybe invite them to church or strike up a conversation with them and build a relationship with them. That's how it begins. And our neighbors, you know, when Jesus said, love your neighbor as yourself, your neighbor, your neighbor are those people who live on either side of you across the street or across the hallway from your apartment complex. But neighbors can also be the people you go to school with, the people you work with, the people you share a, a hobby with, the people that you sit in lawn chairs next to as you get eaten up, eaten up by mosquitoes and watching your kids playing soccer or, or going and, and spending time traveling to cheer competitions. That's your neighbor. Let's build relationships with those people. Let's build some great relationships with the people who don't know Jesus. And then pray for opportunities to share your faith in Jesus with those who don't know him yet. Don't overthink this. This isn't that hard. It really is, does not have to be that hard. If you will ask God, if you'll just ask God to show you how to have those relationships and when and where those relationships should happen, he'll give you the nudge at the right time. And as you begin talking, if you're just yourself, it will flow. And God will give you the words. And then also so we can really see some tangible results of our prayer, pray that we will baptize over 100 people this year. That was a pretty regular occurrence for several years until the pandemic. And since the pandemic, man, our, our evangelism efforts have, have dropped off some. So let's pray that we cross that pathway, cross that marker again this year. Next, I want you to pray and us to pray together for a, a culture of sacrificial generosity. Jesus said, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. He was talking about money and possessions. And that's really how you can find where someone's treasure is, their calendar and their, and their bank account and their spending habits. And probably their credit card statement would be even the better way to know. So the first part of praying for a culture of sacrificial generosity is that we reverse this trend of giving that we've been in for the last three years. Before I go any further, I've got some good news. Some really good news, okay? Many of you responded to our warnings last November and December that we were projecting to overspend our giving. That we were projecting to come in 
$100,000 or more under our spending. Not even just under the budget we planned, but under the actual spending. We spent a little bit less than we budgeted for. But it looked like we were going to miss the mark compared to past year trends and what's been going on this year. We're going to miss it by $100,000. I'm so grateful for those of you that had always been giving. You haven't ever stopped. Some of those of you that do that, you gave more. And then some of you that hadn't been giving, you began giving. And I'm so pleased to tell you that right at the end of the year, we broke even. We took in just a little bit more than we spent last year. We did not finish the year in the red for the first time in three years. Yeah, let's have a hand. We just asked. We asked you, but we also asked God to move in everyone's hearts, and he did. Now, this is not the time to be complacent, okay? Because after years and years and years of surplus giving, exceeding our budget and giving, and then being able to give it away to lots of other churches and ministries every year and pack some away, uh, you know, for, for future contingency and, and, and pay down the debt even more than we had to. After years of that pattern, the last three years, our budget has been flat to declining. And so we also need to pray to reverse that trend that every member of Brad's Point Fellowship and every person who calls themselves, calls this place home, would create a giving plan to support our church financially. That comes straight out of last week's guest speaker's message. Samer said that. I thought, thank you, Samer. Way to go. Preach. I wanted to see you out. Preach, brother. Um, really, a significant amount comes through the offering baskets when you just kind of, you know, give and, and, and drop a 20 in or something like that. But what really carries a church's ministry is a planned giving. And if you're a member of our church, we ask you to, to plan your giving and give consistently. And God will bless this church and bless the ministries. And he will bless you in intangible ways. You're not going to get rich. You may not get a new job offer or anything like that. That's not the point. But Jesus says it's more blessed to give than to receive, and you'll experience that. So pray, when we talk about a culture of sacrificial generosity, that our 2024 giving will greatly exceed, not just break even this year, but greatly exceed this year's budget. And so when we get to the end of this year, we can praise God for what he's done again and again. Finally, finally, here's the last bold prayer, the last big ask that I'm asking of you, okay? Pray for a culture of personal growth, that we embrace our church's core values and kindly live counterculturally. When we introduce those core values, you're going to see that they are so countercultural. I mean, People accuse us of being hateful when we actually love people and tell them the truth. That's countercultural, but we need to do it in a kind way. The way of Jesus is not a culture war. We're going to see that. We're in, a, we're in another election season, and we're going to see culture wars, and we're going to see fighting and talking about winning and beating. And I'm, I'm not knocking the political process. I hope you're all registered to vote and that you'll vote. But the way we really change this country is not by saving America, but saving Americans and introducing them to Jesus Christ. And it's kindness, it's kindness, not fighting that leads to repentance. So pray that we embrace our church's core values and kindly live counterculturally. Pray that we see the world through a biblical lens as we read the Bible, all of us regularly. There's never a better time to start reading through and start a Bible reading plan than today. And I, I recommend the best plan I've seen is the Bible recap 
on the Bible app that you have. And if you don't know how to do that, just ask somebody next to you. So many of you have been reading through the Bible the last few years. And so you're likely to find someone very near you who can tell you how to get on the Bible recap plan. If they can't, then come to one of us on staff and we'll show you. And then pray. As we talk about a culture of personal growth, pray that we constantly have people here who are discovering faith in Jesus, who are developing faith in Jesus and deploying faith in Jesus. Pray that our invitations to our neighbors, those conversations, those relationships we build will result in more and more people coming here to discover faith in Jesus. Pray that that as we develop our faith in Jesus, we'll also develop those relationships. We'll also develop some courage to bring it up in a conversation when it feels like God is leading us. And then pray that as, as we develop our faith in Jesus, that more and more of us will deploy our faith in Jesus and not only be a growing disciple, but a disciple making disciple. So that's what we're going to focus on this year. These are bold prayers. We're going to focus on them most of the time during our pastoral prayers, but also at other times. Small group leaders, we want you to focus on these and pray these bold prayers every week in small group. When a ministry gets together to serve, pray some of these bold prayers for this year. And then just pray in your own time. Write these down and pray. Let's see what God does when we just ask. And finally, I'm asking you to pray for me and Kathy and for Randy and Ashley as we go through this season of transition. It is a bittersweet time. It has not been an easy decision to come to. I always said, I want to leave earlier rather than too late. I don't want to be here when people are going, when's he leaving? Anybody know? I listened to a podcast. He said, if it doesn't feel too early, it's probably too late. And I thought, well, it feels early, but it feels right. It feels right. We've prayed over it. It's bitter. It is, it's more sweet now than bitter. And it's, it's, it's something Kathy and I have a piece about it and believe that it is time for a change. We're, we're becoming excited about that change. We trust in the same God who led us to gather a group of people like-minded people to, to launch this church. We trusted the same God who led us this far to lead us into the next chapter under new leadership. And we're gonna sing about that trust. What has become one of my favorite new songs is trusting God. And you know, it talks about, I sought the Lord and he answered me. Some phrase like that, I'll get it when we sing it. I want you to know that's not a name it, claim it thing. Sometimes God's answer is no, no. Sometimes God's answer is not yet. And some God's answer, not that way, this way. But his answer is good. His answer will always lead to what's best for his kingdom and what ultimately is best for us as we serve in his kingdom. So I invite you to stand as we sing, trust in God.